So it's good to be here, dear friends, on my second visit, and I do trust the Lord will bless us as we turn to his inspired word. I want to read this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, please. Commence to read from verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that am not me to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I laboured more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. In my humble estimation, dear friends, one of the greatest evangelists of all times was a man by the name of D. L. Moody. Perhaps you have heard of him great American evangelist D. L. Moody. He held great crusades, great campaigns in America and also here in Great Britain and indeed in different parts of Scotland. In Greenock, in Paisley, in Dundee and also in the great city of Glasgow. A man that was greatly and mightily used of God in the salvation of men and women and young people. And the story is told about D.O. Moody that on one occasion he was going to have a little study from the Bible of the word grace. So he decided he would take his concordance and his Bible and he will look up every reference to grace in the Bible. And if you don't know, there are 164 references to grace in the Bible. So he took his concordance, took his Bible, and traced every reference to grace from Genesis to Revelation. Beginning at the first reference in Genesis chapter 6, that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. 
The last reference, Revelation 22, 21. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So he read all these scriptures from Genesis, the Revelation, the 164 verses. And the story is told that he was so excited, so enthralled and captivated by what he read about grace in the Bible. He put down his concordance, put down his Bible, rushed out into the street and stopped the first person that he saw, which happened to be a man. And he said, excuse me, do you know grace? Well, of course, the man said, grace who? And of course, uh, Moody said, the grace of God, which hath appeared unto all men. Excited, enthralled about this great subject of grace. And that is what we're going to think about this morning for a little time. This tremendous subject of the grace of God. Now what do we mean when we speak of God's grace? It has been simply defined as this. God's unmerited favour given us something that we don't deserve God's unmerited favour or if you want a more elaborate definition of grace you can form a little acrostic. take the five letters G-R-A-C-E God's riches at Christ's expense not a lovely definition of God's grace God's riches at Christ's expense God's unmerited favour now where do we start on this great subject of grace without exaggeration we could be here all day just speaking of uh, the length and the breadth the depth the height of of God's amazing grace I have to be selective I'm confined to time this morning so what I want to do is to give to you three aspects of God's wonderful grace we're going to think first of all of saving grace and then secondly we shall think of serving grace and then last we shall think of God's sufficient grace. Here's the first one then. Saving grace. The Bible tells us, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God deals with you and deals with me. On the basis of his wonderful grace. And here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says in verse 10. But by the grace of God. I am what I am. And if there was anyone who knew something of the grace of God. It was the apostle Paul. Before his conversion. He was a persecutor. He was a blasphemer. 
He went about uh, imprisoning God's people and he sought to uh, annihilate uh, and exterminate uh, the church and these so-called Christians. But on the road to Damascus, God wonderfully (coughs) met with him and saved him. With letters of authority in his possession, to go to Jerusalem, to go to Damascus uh, and to arrest Christians uh, at midday he says, uh, I saw this light uh, above the brightness of the noonday sun and then he heard the audible voice of Jesus Saul, Saul why persecutest thou me? And Saul said, who are you Lord? And back came the devastating answer, I am Jesus, the Nazarene. And Saul was stricken in those moments. And he said, Lord, what would you have me do? And he was wonderfully and gloriously converted. I have to smile sometimes when I read the Modernistic explanations of God, of Saul's conversion. You see, if you deny the supernatural, you have to explain things from the natural point of view. And of course, they say, "Well, I, you can't believe what the Bible says about this conversion of Saul of Tarsus." Oh no. There's a more simple explanation. What happened was that Saul was suffering from sunstroke. It was a very hot day, a very warm day, and he had a wee taste of sunstroke. And then, of course, another explanation is that he suffered from epilepsy. And what happened? He had a wee fit, a wee turn, and that's the explanation of the change in his life. Utter rubbish, utter trash. It wasn't epilepsy, it wasn't sunstroke. He had an encounter, not with a little bunch of insignificant Christians, but he was confronted with the risen Christ himself and was gloriously and wonderfully saved from being a persecutor and a blasphemer And he says, I am what I am by the grace of God. Take another example. What about John Newton? You've heard of him. He also was a drunkard, an alcoholic, and he engaged in the vile slave trade as a ship captain. But God wonderfully saved John Newton and as uh, a result of his conversion what happened he took up his pen and wrote one of the most wonderful songs and hymns that we still sing today in the 21st century amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was blind but now I see was lost but now I'm fine. What changed John Newton? The grace of God. And that is why he says, Amazing 
grace. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of this Thord character I'm going to mention. But uh, when I was the minister in a church in Motherwell a number of years ago, on a Sunday night it was an evangelistic meeting, and sometimes I would have a little series of, me- of meetings on a Sunday evening in which I would bring along different people who had outstanding testimonies. Now every Christian has a testimony. But there are some conversions which are outstanding. So I would bring along perhaps people who were drunkards, uh, drug addicts, that sort of thing. And I would get them to give their testimony as to how God met and saved them. And one of the men that I asked to come along to give his testimony on one of the Sunday evenings was a great character by the name of Big Donkey Donaldson. Ever heard of him? Maybe you haven't. He actually lived in Adry, not far from here. Big Donkey Donaldson. Now, he was what we would call today a hard man. You didn't mess about with Big Donkey Donaldson. He could bend six-inch nails... And it took nearly five policemen to control Big Donkey when he was drunk with alcohol, the devil soup. And God wonderfully, marvelously converted Donkey Donaldson. And sometimes I preach in Adry and I pass the street where he used to live. And he came along. And he didn't come along dressed as I am this morning with a nice shirt and with a nice tie. He came along with a big t-shirt on. And on the t-shirt were these words, under new management. (laughs) My, that was a stir to the congregation in Motherwell. Big man, strapping man, could bend six-inch nails. And he gave us testimony. And by what a testament it was. Under new banishments. Now his conversion by the grace of God was genuine. Let me give you an example of this. Before the Lord saved him, he went into a, a fish and chip shop which was owned by a a devout Roman Catholic. And in his drunken spew, he smashed the ship ship up, costing £3,000 of damage. But when God saved him, he realised that uh, he had to make restitution for this, friends. For if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away, everything becomes new. But uh, he had to face that man, that Roman Catholic. Caused three thousand pounds of damage in a shop. And here's what Big Donkey says. He says, I'm going to pay you back every penny. I'm going to make restitution. 
and after he paid a hundred pound the dear Roman Catholic to his credit said don't he you paid your debt what brought about that change in his life was it psychology oh no friends was it mind over matter oh no it was the grace of God and whether you think of the Apostle Paul whether you think of John Newton whether you think of Big Donkey Donaldson they owe their conversion to the wonderful matchless, amazing astounding grace of God tell me dear friend this morning has God's grace changed and transformed you I'm not talking about churchianity I'm not talking about being religious I'm not talking about going to church but has the grace of God met and changed and transformed your life and if it hasn't here's the good news the same grace that changed those men or this is the same grace that can change your life and mine so thank God this morning for saving grace but then let's think secondly of serving grace and I'm going to speak to the Lord's people at this moment saving grace here's what Paul says he says but by the grace of God I am what I am and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain but I laboured more abundantly than them all yet not I but the grace of God which was with me now you read that verse you almost think well that's been a wee bit cocky that's when we bet arrogant. I laboured more abundantly than them all, all the rest of the apostles. But notice very quickly he says, Oh, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Here's a man who went about preaching, went about teaching, went about establishing churches and travelled hundreds if not thousands of miles and remember no aeroplanes in his day no motor cars in his day and yet here and there across the, the country preaching this glorious gospel and establishing churches and you have in your New Testament 13 letters that has come from the pen of the Apostle Paul and if you believe he wrote Hebrews well you've got 14 but at least 13 letters came from this great Apostle Paul what was the secret of his service what was the secret of what he accomplished for God he put it down to the grace of God tell me dear Christian are you engaged in the Lord's service? Are you seeking to do something for him? Witnessing? Doing the best you can? Seeking to live the Christian life? Well here's the great secret. God's grace will enable you to do what the Lord wants you to do. It's his wonderful 
grace. I personally can testify to this. Many times I stand up and before I stand up I just wonder how am I going to get through this. And then as it were the Lord whispers my grace my strength. And you know he has never failed me yet. I've been preaching since I was about 19 or 20 years of age. I was an assistant pastor when I was 20, before going into college when I was 21 for some theological studies. And over the years, pastor churches in Northern Ireland, Belfast, Lisburn, Portadown, Birmingham, Scotland, different places. And I look back and I say, however did I do this? And then the answer comes, yet not I, but the grace of God. Oh friends, it's so wonderful how the grace of God can sustain and strengthen you. So thank God there's serving grace as well as saving grace. No matter what your service is, be it humble, remember, depend not upon your strength, but upon the matchless grace of God. And then thirdly, there is sufficient grace. And here's what the Apostle Paul says, or records in Second Corinthians. He had a problem. He had what is known as the thorn in the flesh. And ever since the Apostle Paul um, uttered those words, wrote those words, uh, books have been written, sermons preached uh, as to what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. We don't know. You can speculate, you can conjecture, but uh, we don't know specifically what it was. But it troubled the Apostle Paul. He found it a nuisance. And so he did what a good Christian does. We sang it this morning. He took it to the Lord in prayer. And he says, Lord, I want you to remove the thorn in the flesh. It's a nuisance. It's a hindrance. I want rid of it. And the Lord said, no. Well, he had another go. Uh, just in case you didn't hear me the first time Lord uh, I want you to take away the thorn in the flesh and again the Lord said no well you've got to give the man credit he went the third time the Bible says and he says Lord uh, just in case you didn't understand the other two times uh, would you please remove the thorn and if I could uh, in all reverence say when I the Lord said to Paul when I Paul, what part of the word no do you not understand? You came the first time, I said no. And you came the second time, I said no. And you've come the third time, and the answer is just the same, no. I'm not going to remove the thorn in the flesh. But then Paul, the, the Lord said to the Apostle Paul, and listen very carefully what the Lord said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength 
is to be a perfect in weakness. Paul got the message the third time. Stop praying. And from henceforth he depended upon that wonderful promise of God's grace sufficient for him. And dear Christian, we have entered 2014. We've said goodbye to 2013. We've entered 2014. And there's not one of you in this meeting can stand up and can tell me what's going to happen in your life or my life during this year. The Bible says we know not what a day may bring forth. Never mind 365. But isn't it wonderful? That no matter what's going to happen to you or to me in the year that lies ahead, whether times of sickness, whether times of bereavement, whether times of sorrow, whether times of depression, whether times of despondency, whether on the mountaintop or in the valley, whatever's going to happen to us, the Lord shall utter these words to you, my dear brother and sister, and to me, my child. My grace is sufficient for thee. We shall find those words so true that his grace will be sufficient and his strength, his might, his power will be made perfect in your weakness. And those are tremendous words, friends, as we face the uncertainty of the year that lies ahead. Matters not what happens nationally or internationally. What happens doesn't matter what happens in your life or my life. God is so wonderful that his grace will be sufficient for us. Let me read to you some lovely words that I came across by a dear saint of God by the name of Annie Johnson Flint. Who knew, something, who knew something of the wonderful grace in her life. Here's what she wrote. She entitled it, He Giveth More Grace. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction he added his mercy. To multiply trials he multiplied peace. Listen to this. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has declined ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power no boundary known unto man. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Tremendous words from Ali Johnson Flints. You see, dear friends, you're finite. I'm finite. And that means you're limited. You may think you're all limited, but you're not. You're finite. 
and your resources are limited. They shall soon be exhausted. But ah, his love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power no boundary known unto man. Listen to this. As there is no end to his giving, then there can be no end to our receiving. And when his supplies run short, then we shall not receive. But because his supplies are literally inexhaustible, then he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Sufficient grace. My dear friends this morning, Christianity and this great subject of grace is not merely academic. It's not merely hypothetical. It works. It's genuine. You can prove it. You can test it. We've looked at saving grace. We've looked at Paul and John Newton and Big Donkey Donaldson. And think of yourselves this morning. What about you? You've experienced God's grace in your life. And sometimes in a Sunday morning service when perhaps I'm at the Lord's table remembering his death and the breaking of bread and drinking of wine. Sometimes I think where I could have been but for the grace of God. Have you ever thought of that? You could have been in the bingo hall this morning. You could have been in, 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 the, in the public house this morning. You could have been in some other den of iniquity. But here you are in church. Listen to someone who's trying to, to preach. Are you not glad that God's grace reached you? And God's grace saved you? Think of that man as he saw this, this man, this criminal, going to be hanged to the gallows. He said there, but for the grace of God, go I. Would you see that poor drunkard staggering home on a Saturday evening? Are you judgmental? Are you critical? You see that poor drug addict? Are you judgmental? There, but for the grace of God, go you. God's grace reached you and God's grace has saved you. Saving grace, thank God for that. And thank God for serving grace. He gives the grace. Our dear brother, to play the instrument, what a gift he's got. What an inspiration it is to, 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 to sing and to, be, to enjoy his wonderful gift of music. And then, let's rejoice sufficient grace don't despair there's enough to get you safely to heaven because we're dealing with his inexhaustible wonderful matchless I must say with John Newton his amazing grace and when by the wonderful grace of God we find ourselves on the streets of glory 
As John Newton put it again in his last verse of that great hymn, when we have been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we have no less days to sing his praise than when we first begun. And John, in his apocalyptic vision, in the last book of the, of the Bible, the book of the Revelation, he saw a great number that no man could number, out of every kindred and tongue and tribe and nation. And they are singing. What are they singing? Unto him who have loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Unto him be the glory forever and forever. Let us leave this meeting, dear friends, rejoicing in the wonderful, matchless, indescribable, amazing, astonishing, words fail me, his wonderful, wonderful grace. God bless you.